Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today we're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde about USC Spring Football. If you have any questions, and we're going to answer some of your questions today on the show, email us podcast at uscfootball.com or leave us a voicemail 641-715-3900 extension 816-646 or go to our website peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page and leave a voicemail. Right on your computer or your mobile device. You can also go to iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. We'd love for you to subscribe to the show there on any of your devices, uh, your computer as well. You can also uh, leave us some feedback, leave us a star rating. All that stuff helps the show. Propagate it out to other USC Trojan fans. All right. Want to bring in the coach, Coach Harvey Hyde. What is up, man? How you doing? Ryan, I'm doing great. I'll tell you, it was a rainy week, uh, but it was a good week. Uh, rain here, rain in Vegas. Uh, so we need the water, and sometimes it helps prepare the team to play in any type of weather. It doesn't make any difference. You still got to play the game of football. Yeah, it was out there Saturday, Coach. It was uh, pretty wet. <laughs> there was oh, a lot of rain. Were you up in Vegas Saturday? No, I'm sorry, at the USC football practice. Oh, okay. It was yeah, a wet okay. week. It was a wet week for USC football practice. So probably not a bad thing. Get some, uh, some you know, rainy experience for some of the guys. Um. Okay, well, Coach, okay, I wanted to thank our sponsor, first of all, Southern California Tickets. Go to sctickets.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287 and uh, check them out. You've got baseball starting up, Dodgers and Angels locally, and, of course, across the country. Uh, playoff hockey coming up, playoff basketball, all kinds of fun stuff going on. Football season's still a few months away, but we're, we're and, you know, anxiously waiting, counting down. Until football starts, of course, the Rams will be in the Coliseum, too. So if you want Rams tickets, go to sctickets.com, and they'll help hook you up. All right, Coach, um, so spring game is coming. This is the final week of spring football, so practices uh, 13, 14, and 15. Uh, get a better, you know, should be a better spring game, I think, than some of the games we've seen in the past. It should be a little more competition, more of a game, and less of practice. Um, but I know you get to check out some other spring games that have been going on on you know on cable or whatever. Uh, maybe get your thoughts on the whole spring game phenomenon, what you've seen so far, and kind of what you expect from USC. Well, you know what I expect from USC, and I hope it happens. You've seen different types of spring games. I was at uh, UNLV this past weekend and broadcast their spring game. They had their format and what they had to do. I watched the. Michigan spring game that they had in the big house, and I'll explain that to you a little bit later on. It, it's a philosophy of what you expect out of your team as far as where are you, have you got everything in as far as what you want to accomplish in the spring, and let's demonstrate what we've done and get it on tape in a game-like situation. That's me. That's the way I would look at it, which would mean I'd want to divide the team up if I could. If I have enough depth I would make my offensive coordinator the head coach of one team my defensive coordinator the coach of the other team we'd have a regular draft we'd have some fun with it draft every player on the team and then at the end if we need to put a player here or a player there to help balance things out we could do that 
and really go at it. Now, of course, in the kicking game portion of it, you don't want to have kickoff returns or kickoff coverages. You do do it, but you just blow the whistle and you spot the ball wherever you feel it should be spotted uh, as far as for the, the play. Like to play the field position. Now, not just give people field position. Now, okay, you're going to be on the red zone. You're going to be on this zone. You can do that later on in the scrimmage if you feel you didn't get enough goal line or whatever. But I like to see it being like in a regular game situation. Have the coaches in the press box, have headsets on. Make it like the real deal. Call a delay a game if you have a delay a game so kids know what the rhythm is and how much time you have to get a playoff. It's the only way to make it like the real situation that you're going to face. You want to be able to know what you can do and what you can't do. Now, of course, you don't want to, you know, uh, uh, confuse the kids. You want to be able to run the plays that you did have during spring practice and the ones you can execute properly. But you want to see what's it like for a kid to perform without you on the co- uh, on the field or standing behind them, watching them, or making sure that, uh, that they're lined up in the right position. This is the responsibility of the quarterback, taking over as a leader. And the same thing on defense. Whoever makes your calls on defense, the middle linebacker and so on, making sure everybody's lined up properly, and whoever's in charge in the secondary to make sure everybody's lined up properly and, and make it a game like the real thing where you're not there to hold their hand. Uh, now, a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people just uh, have ones against twos as far as the number one offense against the number two defense and whatever uh, to get, build up confidence uh, in both areas where the offense can move the football and the defense can stop someone. But myself, I like to go ones against ones as much as I can or break it up where the the winners get steaks and the losers get hamburgers. So you make it a, a fun event, but yet you make it a very competitive event. And when people go to the event, like people are going to go to it at the Coliseum, the weather's supposed to be beautiful, a 3 p.m. kickoff, then they see what they came to see. They didn't come to see a little bit of this, a little bit of that, uh, too much music, uh, circus going on, you know, everybody uh, not making it a football day. It's a football day. It's the completion of spring. I know that at the University of Michigan, they did do this. In fact, they even took a half a day after they divided up their two teams to take a practice period where two teams went to different ends of the field and actually put their teams together, practice things, made sure they had it all together, special teams and everything. So when they played, they were able to compete and make it the real deal. So their uh, 14th day of practice, they spent half of that practice with the two squads broken up, being part of the team, whites against the blues, and then playing a game. So depends where you are. You hope at a school like USC and these top-level programs that you're at that point where you want to see just what you have. You want to be able to see what did we accomplish in the spring? Are we who we are? What do we need to find out? How is the quarterbacks on the field without us right there with them? Do they take charge? And all of the above. So uh, that's what I expect to see from USC. Now, of course, they have their plan and what they're going to do. And uh, we'll see what happens, right? We will see what happens. Uh, three practices left should be a, a fun end to spring. And I think, I think Clay Houghton wants to send a little bit of message and, and make it a football day and have some fun out there. They, I guess the biggest issue, if we're watching practice coach and you're seeing they've had the competitive periods, they've at least done it a couple of times where at the end of practice where you have like the 
first string offense with the second string defense and vice versa. So it seems to be that's a little bit more like what you'll see in the spring game, which which I think would be good. Um, but the biggest issue right now is there's a lot of guys on defense that are out. I think if you look at the first and second uh, units for the offense, I think you're you're doing well. I mean, I think you can split up running backs. There's plenty of wide receivers. There's plenty of offensive linemen. Um, you know, you have two quarterbacks that are going at it. I, I think that's going to be very competitive. The problem's going to be, I think, on the defensive side, Coach. It just seems like when you put the second string defense in there with so many, you know, first and second team guys that are out, they're all kind of moved over. It's a pretty good first unit, but I don't think the second unit's kind of up to par. So that that might make it a little tougher at the spring game if they do that. You're exactly right. It depends on your injury situation and your number situation on just what you can do. You don't want some kids going uh, 40 plays and some kids having to go 80 plays, too. That's not really uh, smart. Yet uh, you've got to become a better football team. Then you then you put ones against ones and then twos against twos or whatever you have to do. But you've got to use it as a as a day, a day to prepare. You can't allow injuries always to be an excuse for not hitting. You've got to play the game of football. Football is a physical football game. And some people have to step up and learn to, you know, play with a hangnail. And if it isn't a hangnail, then you watch it, but you're in full gear. And you make it like a real game. And you do pre-game preparations, pre-game meals, walkthroughs, uh, everything you do so that the kids start learning this in the fall, they've been through it. The new kids have been through it. So, you know, uh, you know, of course, you, you, everyone has their own philosophy. But, again, you cannot waste the 15th day. The 15th day has got to be a way that you become a better football team under game situations. All right. Well, we'll have the 15th day. We'll be on uh, this weekend on Saturday, April 16th. Um, if you're, you know, maybe people will be out the spring game thinking about their taxes, coach. Everyone remember taxes due April 18th. So a week from today, uh, you got a couple extra days this year, um, uh, because of, you know, coming on the holiday. So, yeah. So, uh, April 16th, the spring game, 3 PM, uh, we'll see you out there. Um, we had some questions coach and I, you know, one of them has to do with the spring game. And so it's our buddy, Jeff in Orange County. He want to know if there's going to be a tailgate party next weekend for the fans of uscfootball.com. If so, tell Harvey he must come and I'll buy him a drink. Um, we actually did a tailgate last year. Things kind of got a little crazy this year, and I was thinking about it and talking about it, but just it never kind of came together. I know some people on the message boards will be doing stuff, so if you go to the Peristyle on the message board, and you can find some uscfootball.com people that will be out there tailgating. We're not going to organize, though, an official uh, uscfootball.com tailgate party this year for the spring game. So sorry about that. But um, yeah, coach, they want, they want you out there at the tailgates. I don't know if you're going to make the rounds and, and find the fans. Well, I'll tell you, I really appreciate that. If you do see me, please come up to me and, and talk. We're at a game situation. I'm not going to be sitting in the press box. So I'm going to be a fan there just like everybody else. So if you have a question, if you'd like, like to sit down, sit down. We'll have some fun and talk together and uh, get your thoughts as well as my thoughts. So. Again, thank you for that invitation. And, Ryan, I'm sorry you're not having a tailgate get-together for everyone. <laughs> I know. We're, it's just there's a whole lot of crap going on. So, um, But thanks, Jeff, for that. Um, okay, we had a question from Tarek, Coach. Should Clay Helton name a starting quarterback in the spring 
or carry on into the fall based on your observations? Well, I think he's sort of hinting in some of his conferences and and practice uh, post-game interviews, like he may do that. But will he do that? I don't know. Uh, I would be very concerned about doing that as far as, yes, I want to do that. As far as a head coach, I'd want to do that. Especially with Max Brown in his situation being a graduate. You know, he can transfer, as I mentioned before, and be eligible for two years at any other school in the country. He could go to UCLA if he wanted to, as long as he had the uh, graduate, you know, the BA degree, which he has. Now, you know, when you look at Max Brown, he thinks he's pretty good. And we know he's pretty good. And he should be pretty good. You know, he was a quarterback that, really, when you look at it, Gatorade Player of the Year and two players that he was ranked higher of, Ryan, and you know better than this, are going to go in the first round better than me. So, you know, he feels that he should get his opportunity, and I think he's waited. And I, like I said at the beginning of the spring, I said I feel it's his position to lose. If it's a tie, it's, it's his position. He's waited. He's mature. It's his opportunity to get in there and get it done. And, of course, if he can't get it done, then you don't have to tell him, Max, you're not getting it done. Kids know they're not getting it done, and they, they will say, hey, I don't blame the coach for making a change. I did this. I did that. But I think he's in a position where he deserves the opportunity to be the starting quarterback. He has done nothing to say he should be. And I, you, everyone should be happy Sam Darnold doing such a great job. But you got to have two quarterbacks. What if something happens to a quarterback? So I think that's very positive you have two outstanding quarterbacks. But uh, that's my feeling, and, uh, I, and I still believe that, and I said that at the beginning of the spring. Coach, um... Eugene wrote in about the defense, and there's a lot of uh, optimism. And I do think, I mean, people ask me, I, I think the defense is going to be better, even with the losses on the defensive line, just because of the scheme and philosophy. I do like a more aggressive style for the type of athletes that USC has. I just think it's going to translate into uh, a better defense overall. Eugene is writing in. He said the biggest news coming out of USC spring camp is the quarterback battle and the return of Clancy Pendergast as defensive coordinator. I've tempered my expectations of coach Clancy Pendergast after reviewing the 2013 season, a 62 to 14 loss to Arizona state followed by the firing of Lane Kiffin 31 points given up to Arizona and 29 to Colorado. Additionally, they did not have to play a high powered Oregon team nor the university of Washington. I think we should tread lightly on the Clancy P expectations for Clancy's sake, particularly with Alabama, Utah State, and Stanford being our first three games. I wondered what you guys thought, Eugene. Well, you know, stats, uh, you know, I'm not a stat guy. You hear me always talk about that. I'm a score guy. I want to know who wins and who loses. Uh, Stats at halftime don't make any difference either. Who's ahead at halftime at the final gun? And you don't, you don't, you know, when you look at those stats, you don't know really what happened during the game. You don't know how many turnovers there were. You know how many uh, things uh, went negative as far as for the offensive side of the ball that put the defense on the field with a short field. There's a lot of things. Maybe they returned two punts for a touchdown. I can't specifically remember all those games, but if I can remember, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, Ryan, I thought they had the number one defense in the Pac-12, didn't they? Yeah, it did. So you're saying like you didn't have to play Oregon and stuff. And, you know, there were a couple of bad games in there for sure. They give up a whole bunch to UCLA, a whole bunch to Arizona State, but it was also a a year of, you know, 
Lane Kiffin getting fired. So there was crazy coaching stuff going on. Uh, it was only his first year. So he came in and had to be a savior. And really, I mean, you, you want to say, well, he didn't do this. He didn't do that. He did a lot in the one year that he took over. And, and you, you know, you're talking at the game like Stanford where they beat him playing only 12 guys. So he didn't really have depth. Um, and there was a lot of things going against him, but if you, it's hard to complain about most things that USC defense did that year, considering all the turmoil that was going around. So my opinion, I think, you know, you, you could temper your expectations if you want to, but I wouldn't be all that worried about, you know, well, Clancy gave up this many points to Arizona state and stuff like that. I mean, I, I just don't think that's going to be as big of an issue overall, just philosophy wise, scheme wise, they're going to have some bad games probably, but I like the more aggressive style. It'll look more like what they played against UCLA last year when they played man-to-man and all the players loved it. And the players on this team are just better at that kind of a more aggressive athlete-driven scheme. And I think that's what Clancy Pendergast brings. Well, he does. And again, you know, when you look back at some of those games, when you're trying to catch up in a game and you get way behind, you you do things you shouldn't do and you're throwing interceptions, you're not playing a regular game and the defense is on the field for more plays than the offense. And Sometimes those scores get carried away, but you can't look back. you got to look forward. And Clancy's the defensive coordinator at USC. I like what I've seen as far as his coaching right in front of us because, as you know, at practice, the linebackers are what we see the most. We don't see anything else, but we see the linebackers at practice because that's where we're forced <laughs> to stay on the practice field. That hasn't changed. So uh, he's, a, he's a good technician. I talked to couple of uh, NFL guys yesterday who he's coached with, and they think he's an outstanding coach. He's strong. Uh, he's, he doesn't have to say a lot because he, he can look at you and you know exactly what he's thinking. I like that about him, too. He's not a holler. doesn't run around the field hollering at everybody. And I think the kids are happy. Every kid that I've heard it talk about the defense, they're excited about playing it. They like to play aggressively. And uh, I think that uh, they will. Uh, uh, I think that, they, you know, in the style of defense that, that you play at USC now, kids have fun playing defense. And, and you got to have fun playing defense. And you come up with big plays when you attack. Now, you can give them up, too. But I think you have more fun playing on their side of the line of scrimmage than on yours. All right, Coach. We had uh, Keeley. And I apologize. I didn't do, we didn't do a lot of podcasts last week. Um, like I said, things got a little uh, nutty in the real world, in the regular world. So we weren't able to have uh, Dan Weber on and stuff. We had, previous to that, we had Keely uh, Euron, our, our intern, and um, she did a great job, and we got some feedback. I actually read a question for her from Dan from 1962, and he was talking about uh, Trojan players from before I was born, which, you know, I'm more than twice as old as Keely, so way before she was born. But he wrote in and said, so just get your thoughts on this. He said, it would be a pleasure to share football stories History stories with Keeley and you. USC was good to me in my career, and I've had many fond memories of my Trojan days as a student and alum. Biggest thrill was in the Coliseum in 1964, beating Notre Dame on the last minute, Ferdig to Sherman pass. Uh, and the biggest disappointment was being in the Rose Bowl and losing to Texas, especially when a sure interception was went through Ryan Ting's hands on that last Texas drive. USC football has always had its ups and downs, but through it all, it's exciting every fall. I've always depended on the coaching. As coaching staffs go, this one has a potential to be great based on resume and character. What are your and your guest assessment of the potential for the coming year? That's Dan from 1962. 
Well, Dan, now uh, you mentioned a couple of games that have been highs and lows. I've talked to Craig Furtick about that famous pass many times. He didn't know if he completed it or not. He was laying on his back, and his face mask was connected with a guy that sacked him at that time. So he all he did was hear the roar of the crowd, and he knew something good happened. He remembers telling me that. That's great. <laughs> and, and it's really uh, the truth. And uh, at the Texas-USC game, I was sitting right there, and it was absolutely uh, – uh, I don't know if Texas beat USC. I think USC beat themselves in that football game. I, I hate to say, say that in such a great, exciting football game as far as one to watch, but there were so many different times during that game, the Reggie Bush lateral and the third down and, and two, and when they threw the pass and it was incomplete, stopped the clock, and they came back and ran the ball and, Adele White was about an inch short. And Reggie Bush wasn't even on the field. You can go back and forth in that whole game where one play makes a difference, but it was a great football game. But it was one of the lowest points of USC Trojan football history to be close to a national championship at home in the Rose Bowl and then lose it in the last second. As far as the this year's team is concerned, I think it's day by day. Uh, I think the Pac-12 is tougher than what it used to be. There isn't a gimme in the league any longer, no gimmies. And how about the non-league schedule? you got Alabama, Utah State, which isn't a real gimme. They could beat you if you didn't come to play. And then you've got Stanford, and then you go to Utah. Those are those are pretty good teams to play at the beginning of the year. So, you know, it isn't like, you know, we're going to be 10-2, and two, we're going to be 11-1, and one, we're going to go undefeated like the old days. used to be if you lost a game, you wanted to fire the coach. So now it's a little bit different. And, of course, this is Clay Helton's first year. I think it's, it's a very difficult start, but I think if they can get through the first three games 2-1, uh, and one, I'm just saying 2-1, and one, if they could beat somehow Alabama or Stanford, Stanford's going to be very tough to beat up there. They've got this winning thing and this winning attitude going on. Utah State, they should be able to beat Utah State. At least everyone's assuming that. They'll be about a 14-point favorite in that game. I assume Going to Utah is going to be very difficult, yet Utah's lost a lot of players last year, so I think they should be able to go in and beat Utah, but it's not an easy schedule. So no matter how good you are, you've got to play to your full potential every week and, and hope things go right for you and you hope you don't get injuries and all of the above. You've got to be a tough football team now today to play in the Pac-12 as you go and look across town and They've got Kenny Palamala now being the offensive coordinator. They're changing their philosophy over there, trying to become more physical. Stanford's physical. I think everybody follows trends, and I think Stanford has more or less started the trend of being physical because they've won the the conference three out of the last four years. So I think everybody's got to be physical, and I think USC has to become physical again. They got away from, from being physical. They became soft. They were a soft football team. You've heard me talk about that. They, they were Hollywood. They weren't basically what they should be. So now I hope that through a tough spring and a tough spring game and and a, and a good summer workout that the guys get more physical, not by talking about it, but demonstrating it. And that's what I'm waiting to see what happens. So I can't really tell you how it does it look because, you know, when you go against each other every day, are you great or are you average or are you just both of you not very good? But they certainly have some athletes that they should perform and put in the right place. They've had a great recruiting class. They've got some great players coming in that will help immediately. 
and uh, I think it's going to be. I, it could be a very positive year, and you know, to be positive now at this point, it's hard to be with that type of schedule. But again, you 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 know, at USC, you got to win eight. You got to eight games isn't enough. You know, people aren't happy with eight. It's got to be ten games, and uh, they'll think they had a great year. All right, let's move on to uh, Jim, Coach. He says, great show. Love it. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Jim. Do you think that they will ever consider moving Jordan Simmons to the defensive line? They're stacked on the offensive line. They don't need him there. I question how much he will actually play on the offensive line. Rather than sit him on the bench, uh, why not put him on the defensive line? He's an athlete. He'll do well. This is a former five-star high school player who made all L.A. City first team as a defensive lineman uh, as a sophomore at Dorsey before he uh, transferred to Crespi and then moved him to the offense. Uh, fight on from Jim. And just to let people know, I, we actually saw Jordan Simmons on the bike. He was over on Rehab Island uh, early on in practice. I think he came back around. We saw him like with the rest of the team, um, but it was kind of a crappy, it was really hard to watch. It was rainy. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff going on on Saturday, but you know, there he's got the, you know, there's some injury issues there and you, you, know, you hope he's able to stay healthy. And, but he's part of a, a pretty deep group of offensive linemen, and he's getting some first-team reps there, uh, you know, part of that group of, of guards that they got running in. Um, so, you know, just kind of get your thoughts on that, Coach. But I just want to let people know, we did see him over riding the bike uh, at least early on in practice on Saturday. Well, you know, Jordan Jordan's had knee problems uh, throughout his career at USC, and you don't want to put a guy with knee problems on defense. Not when he's alternating with the first unit, but if you're alternating with the first unit, obviously you're in competition for a starting position. Uh, I think there may be other players on the offensive line that could go over and be a nose guard and play some defense. Uh, there might be not guys that want to go over and do that, but they might have to go over and do that. That could could do that. That maybe isn't a starter. You, you, when you take a starter and you move him over there to might be not the best thing for the team or the kid, especially with a kid that's got a bad knee. There's so many things. They're trying to eliminate the chop block and all these different things to help these kids not uh, hurt their knees. So uh, I, I think he's better off staying on the offensive side of the football. And if you if you look at people, you're going to get a couple of kids. Connor Murphy's going to come in, and you hope he can get it done. And you've got the big JC kid come in and Fua from Long Beach City College. And, you know, uh, there's, there's maybe other players that you might want to have to put over there if you have to, if you have to. Uh, but, uh, you know, you don't want to have to move kids unless you do. But I'll tell you, I'm not against moving them, not him, but other players, if you have to, they make sure that you're solid on both sides of the football. But defense today is a different game, guys. You don't see low-scoring games very often anymore in college football, but you can't account for the fifth guy, which is the quarterback, the athletic quarterback, it's almost becoming now is who outscores who. If you look at college football and you watch the games that are going on in the bowl games and everything else, it's who who's outscoring who. So you've got to be able to be great on both sides of the football. You've got to be able to uh, go after people. You've got to be able to stop the big play and get the, get the offense off the field. First down is so important in, in getting them uh, to be in a second and 10 or a third and 10 where you can dictate more your defensive schemes on what's going on. So, you know, you just got to try to get in there on defense and not allow them to have ball control against you. And that's what Stanford has, ball control. They hold the football. You never get the football back. 
and they don't change from what they do, and they've been very successful doing that. So this is what people are trying to go to now in order to play their same type of style of football. You see Michigan doing it in the spring. Uh, I think they took just about every snap under center. I don't know how many people had a chance to watch it on the Big Ten Network. It was really an outstanding scrimmage. They had some 40,000 people there. So who knows? You know, you have to wait and see. But uh, uh, moving people around, you don't want to do that. But if you have to, then you're going to do that. You're going to have to do that. I think next year, and, and, and Ryan, I'm telling you, I haven't seen it in their recruiting so far, but they've got to bring in some defensive linemen. I mean, they've got to go out and commit some and bring in maybe a couple of junior college kids and maybe four, three or four good uh, freshman linemen. They've got to get out the country no matter where it is and get some D linemen. Because you don't win without playing up front, both on the offensive side of the football and the defensive side of the football. you got to have guys that come in that are mature, that love the game of football, that are tough guys and angry guys play on the defensive side of the ball. For sure, Coach. And they brought in a good group last year, a really good defensive uh, class overall for the class of 2015. The problem was that there was a whole bunch of seniors and a whole bunch of freshmen not a lot in between. The one kind of go-between was Kenny Bigelow, the former five-star player, and now he's out for the year. So uh, that was the kind of the one guy you didn't want to see go down just because he was that, you know, helpful make that transition to some of the younger players on the defensive line. Um, okay, we have uh, our buddy Brian in Birmingham checking in. And he went, in your honest opinion, if the season was to start this Saturday, which of the two should be the starter, Max or Sam? Who would you start? Max. Yeah, there's no question in my mind. It's Max, and you know I don't. I don't want. I just spoke about it a moment ago. Max is the guy. Max is the guy, and the more turns he can get in the spring and in the fall as the number one guy, the more the team will look towards him. The more the team will believe in him. The more they know that he's the guy. Listen to him. He's got to take over. He's got to be a leader too. I'm looking for who's going to lead. Who's the quarterback out there that's leading too? That's telling people, or maybe even uh, strongly suggesting suggesting they do it right because that's what you need to do as far as a quarterback they got to believe in you and when you audibleize and do different things they're going to listen to you and respect you for who you are so the sooner you can make the decision the better you are as an offensive unit all right we got one last one well he has a couple here so we'll kind of split it up a little bit eric and duck country he says long time listener first time podcast questioner well thanks for writing in eric uh thanks so much for all you and your colleagues do. Love the podcast and the articles. I don't know what I would do without you. Well, we really appreciate that, Eric. Thank you. I've read that there are elements of the uh, Western Kentucky, Stanford, and USC in this offense with the new coaches and what they're installing. Is this too much for the players to process? It sounds like a lot. And are they running these elements out of different formations? It seems like it would be a bit predictable if they were to spread the field when they want to throw it, then get into an eye formation when they want to run it. Well, you know, you're right. You're right. Uh, you've got to be able to, out of the formations you run, obviously you've got to be able to do it all. And uh, on a passing down, when you have three receivers on one side and it's third and eight, you normally would say, yeah, they're going to throw the ball. Uh, I think you have to be balanced on both sides of the football, especially on the offensive side. You've got to be able to get under center at different times, and USC doesn't get under center very often. 
I did see in the spring a couple times when they went goal line offense, they did go from under center with two tights and an eye. And they've been pretty successful on the goal line so far as far as running off tackle with power. I haven't seen them do as much as far as the play action passes or the entire series or the reverse pivot handed straight ahead to the fullback. I haven't seen the fullback really two-back offense hardly at all in the spring as far as the fullback being active in the running game at all. I don't know if that's going to change. But, you know, you can always put a big tackle back there, an athletic guy to be the nose guy or the fullback down at the goal line, which a lot of schools do. And you see Stanford doing that. And I keep referring to Stanford because they do that well. You see their offensive line down in a four-point stance. They're getting low because that's what the defense tries to do. They try to get under your block and stack it up so there's no pen. They try to penetrate through your offensive line so that Offense does the same thing. They get down there, and they're going to root you out of there. You're not going to penetrate. You're not going to play on our side of the football. We're going to play on your side of the football. But you are exactly right. You've got to be have – you can't have formation tendencies. You've got to be a balanced attack out of every formation you have as far as running inside, outside, coming back, and holding the backside so they can't pursue all the time down to where you are. And as I've said before – USC's quarterbacks are not really mobile, or they might be hostile, but they're not mobile enough to run the football or be a great threat at being a running quarterback. So teams play a little bit different. Close down to the inside, and they say if the quarterback carries the ball, we're going to run him down, and he's going to slide. He's not going to try to run as I'd hate to refer to other schools, but you've seen Stanford, the way not Stanford, you've seen. Uh, Notre Dame, the way their quarterback runs, or Jones at Ohio State, how he runs, or some of these other guys run, and it's very difficult. You've got to watch the backside. Because that guy's going to pull it out and run the football, same as on the onside with option and lead option. So got a lot of things that you have to stop when you have a, a mobile quarterback. USC doesn't have that, so they've got to depend on their running game, tough inside. And I really, you've heard me say, they've got to hold the backside. They've got to run... Uh, jet sweep a lot, a lot of play action pass, and uh, to, to help them. And, you know, they don't run sweep much anymore either. You know, the eye sweep, they do that little toss sweep outside, uh, but you don't see them doing a lot because their tight ends aren't big and physical where they can get to the outside. They always run into bunch formation. So I hate to throw that all at you so quickly, but I wanted to get the answer to you. When he has uh, the last part of his question, um, he says, lastly, what is the quote-unquote USC offense? Sark, Kiffin, Chow, McKay, shotgun, pistol, eye formation? It seems like there's a lack of identity. I'm giving the coaches the benefit of the doubt, but oftentimes I could tell you what the play was going to be under Kiffin and Sark, and he said, cough, bubble screen, as soon as the players lined up. I'm excited for this year, and I hope for great things. That's Eric in Duck Country. Well, I think it's very important that you can't dictate the play. As you said, you could. I, I had the ability to do the same thing, not always 100% correct. But you do have to have diversity. I would say that USC's team is a lateral type of offense. What I mean by that, uh, the backs are always running lateral before they're running straight ahead. They will get in a pistol or one remaining back, one straight ahead. I think they have the backs that would be a better uh, opportunity for them to see the daylight and take advantage of their athletic ability then rather than running laterally and then going forward. Uh, that's just my opinion. So uh, as far as what type of offense does USC 
run, I think it's somewhat a an offense that uh, was designed uh, for as the head coach uh, felt it should be. It isn't one or the other. It isn't a complete option, run, read option team. It isn't a pro team as far as what they do, drop back, throw the ball uh, type of team. They are short play action pass, just short re- uh, fakes. If you if you notice, it isn't a long fake or anything. It's a it's a fake, and then they throw the football. Uh, they don't have draws. They don't have screens. So it isn't really the play passing team that you'd want. If a real passing team is going to have the complete pass game. So I would say uh, it it doesn't have an identity. I'll agree with you 100. percent And if you listen to Max Brown the other day when he was being interviewed. He said that he's got it down. There's not many things different from what it was last year. That's why he's been able to master it easily. So I don't. I haven't seen much change. And Max Brown has sort of told me the same thing that he hadn't seen or been asked to do many different things either, Ryan. No, I agree with you, Coach. It's. Uh, I mean, it's different. We've talked to coaches about it. Dan Weber's asked a lot of questions about it to try to figure out what really is this offense. I don't think we're going to know the answer. You can watch practice and we see things and you, you know, there's, there's a lot of short passes. There's a lot of quick, uh, it's like an extension of the run game where they're just kind of getting it out to the flat really quick, but that's what we're seeing now. That doesn't necessarily mean what you're going to always see in the games this is a spring football. I think we'll know more in the fall. And I think certainly after you watch this team for a few games, you'll get a better feel. Now, you know, we've seen teams that come out like uh, a couple of years ago, against Fresno State or whatever, I think it was run 104 plays and then run 58 against Stanford the week after. Um, I, that, to me, I mean, there wasn't an identity there. They went, you know, really hurry up for a while and then they stopped doing that. I think you will have, it'll be tempo, but it's not going to be the emphasis that Sark was talking about where you were going to, you know, they were running 200 plays in practice and all that. Uh, they're taking their time a little bit more and trying to teach during practice. Um, so I just don't think you're going to see that breakneck kind of speed that at least was talked about. And we really didn't see all that often, but until we get, you know, I don't know, maybe halfway through the season coach, if you see consistent offense where it's not consistent production, but at least consistent uh, effort of what you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish, then I think you can get a better assessment of, okay, that's what this USC offense under Clay Helton and T Martin's going to be. But to, to hear guys talk about it and they'll say different things to watch practice and you see different things. I just don't think we're going to know until, you know, like I said, maybe halfway through the season. Well, you know, I don't know if there's going to be much difference, but you practice things you're going to do, Ryan. I don't think you're going to practice this all spring and then see something different. You're going to go with what you did in the spring because you get, why would you practice it and not do the same thing? You might add to it a little bit. I've always said, and I'm an old fashioned type of guy, I like a huddle. And they haven't showed any of that this spring at all. Maybe they have in the goal line once or twice. They did it last year at the end of the games. But, you know, you know, I'm not talking about a long, delayed huddle. I'm talking about a huddle about three yards from the line of scrimmage where you huddle up after every play and the quarterback looks in everybody's eyes. You turn around, you go to the line of scrimmage, you get your stance. You don't have to, you know, flex your muscles before you get in your stance and, and run a play. I just feel it's more of a part of this is what USC is about. It's not USC is not about tricking you. USC is about hammering you and making sure everybody understands their assignment and, and, and then executes it. But I don't think we're going to see that we're not, because uh, for some reason it, uh, they don't want to do that. So uh, 
and that's why I wonder if they're physical. They're trying to be quick and do this and do that rather than line up and pound your butt. So we'll see what happens. I always want to be positive. So uh, I want to be positive on everything we're doing. Uh, I'm just giving you my opinion on what I've seen. And that's all I can tell you is what I've seen. Maybe a lot of you have been at practice as many times as I have or more. But until I see something different, I just report to you what I've seen. All right. Well, Coach, great stuff. Uh, it's fun talking. We'll have one more week of spring football, three more practices. We'll get your uh, recap next week. That should be a really interesting show. After the spring game, All your get all your thoughts on that. Uh, you never pull punches, so it'll be It'll be fun to do it. Hopefully we'll see everyone out there at the spring game. And don't forget, go say hi to Coach Harvey Hyde if you see him. I'll be looking forward to the game on Saturday, and I hope it is a game. I hope it isn't, you know, just a wasted day. But you have 15 days. When I coached, you had 20 days. And we were very physical every day. We hit every single day. We didn't have to go in shorts and let the coach decide to go. And shoulder pads and shorts, and the kids would go crazy. They'd get excited for morale day. But uh, we'll see what happens, and uh, I hope that they've gotten accomplished what they set out to do. And I know there'll be a lot of recruits there and people, uh, and they'll want to impress them. And, you know, uh, you know, one thing that I did see at two of the spring games that I, were at, that I was at, and I wish SC would do this, at halftime or period of time they had all the recruits on the field of the incoming freshman or JC kids in the middle of the field. And the head coach would go out there, introduce them all to the crowd, one at a time, one at a time from modern day high school, so-and-so. He'll be here in the fall camp. We want to welcome him and thank him for coming. It's, I think, a very great thing for the people, and they clap to those people. Plus, all the recruits that are there see that, too. And they also see, hey, how much they really care about uh, the recruits and the people and part of the family at USC. So I hope and that somebody there in the athletic department listens to this, and maybe on Saturday we'll be able to see and check out some of the new re- recruits coming in in September. All right, Coach, thanks for coming on again. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Parastyle Podcast. We'll get Dan Weber on again this week, so send any questions, podcast at uscfootball.com. For Dan, leading up to the spring football game. So thanks again for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 